Morning. How's everyone? Okay, good. Jess, you got about the same response. Thank you. Good job. All right, very good. I'm really excited to be here. I've been away for a couple of weeks on leave and uh, recharging. It's been great. Missed you guys. And uh, great to be here this morning, not just because I missed you guys, but also we're launching a brand new series called How to Be Brave. I'm always excited to teach from God's Word. It's one of the greatest privileges that I have in my life. I'm particularly excited about this series because it actually wasn't what we had planned to teach in this next window. We had a different series planned. We planned up to 18 months in advance. We plan as prayerfully as we can. We take things very seriously. We don't just chuck anything up on the wall and whatever kind of sticks is what we teach. But about three weeks ago, um, I had a real uh, sense that God didn't want us to teach what we'd planned, but actually wanted us to pivot and teach for this four weeks series called How to Be Brave. And looking back, it was a bit of a no-brainer to make this pivot because with the conversations I'm having with many of you, <coughs> excuse me, I, uh, I wasn't in the same bed as Jess for three days this week, but I was in a bed for the same reasons as Jess for three days this week. Just want to clarify that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, a no-brainer because the conversations I'm having with many of you you're facing circumstances that are requiring you to have next level bravery, next level courage. And uh, there's different circumstances and, 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 and it may not be true for all of you, but I know it's true for many of you. And so what we're going to do for this next four weeks is teach about courage, teach about bravery. Okay. So if you want to be more brave than over the next four weeks, I'm going to help you be more brave from what God's word says about how to be brave. So be here for the next four weeks. If you're not going to be here, I can't help you. That's as simple as that, all right? But I love when God pivots things. It doesn't happen very often. We don't, as I said, we're not kind of flaky and flighty here at Elevate. We're very intentional. We're very strategic, but we're not uh, immovable in the sense that if God says move, we move. If God says shift, we shift. And, and, and when he does, it's exciting to me because I'm shifting, I'm, I'm peering around the corner with a sense of, hmm, interesting. I wonder what God has for people when he's causing us to and calling us to just shift course a little bit. So <clears throat> if you're someone who needs to be more brave, if you're facing circumstances in your life that's going to require a next level courage, then lean in. Listen with your heart open, and uh, I know God will give you some great, great, helpful tools. So open up your Bibles, your Bible apps. Uh, I'm going to actually read from the New King James Version, which I believe in five years leading here, I've never once read from the New King James Version. I've not read from the old one, and I don't plan on doing that anytime soon. But the New King James Version, Philippians chapter 4. Now, one of the early church heavyweights, a dude named Paul, wrote a letter, wrote many letters. This is one of, uh, an excerpt from one of the letters. He wrote it to a church in a place called Philippi. Now, he's writing to the church in Philippi. Just a little bit of context. Paul, when, when Paul was writing this letter, Paul himself was actually in prison, all right? 
He was in prison for, for, for talking about Jesus. Okay? So just when you think your life circumstances require next level bravery and courage, understand that a, this guy, he gets it. Okay? He gets what a challenging circumstance might look like. And this is what he wrote to the church in Philippi from prison. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, you can look that word up, it's on the line, uh, with thanksgiving. Now, let me just push pause there, right? At the outset, Paul is encouraging the church and, and, and encouraging us in the exact same manner to pray, to pray to God. <clears throat> However, he intentionally inserts this word thanksgiving. When you pray, pray with thanksgiving. Before I go on and read the rest of it, I know it's up there, you can read ahead, you top of the class people, you. Here's the thing. One of the reasons that so many people are anxious is because they don't actually stop to pray and give thanks. That, 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 that our relationship with God is, is so much just about this continual next, give me this next God, and then this next God, and give me this next God. And Paul's saying, look, that's fine with everything, pray, but do it with thanksgiving. If we never push pause and stop to thank God for it, if everything's just about give me, give me, give me, this, this endless pursuit of a finish line that we never seem to cross, we're always going to be anxious. Because we always want more. But, but living with this, this uh, well, the way I like to say it is I, I, always content, never satisfied. Always content, grateful for everything that God has given me, God's done for me, God's doing in my life. And never satisfied in the sense of I'm not going to just sit and settle because God's got more. But we have to live with both of those. Praying with thanksgiving. Praying with thanksgiving. Oh, I'm anxious for more. Well, stop being anxious for more. Start being thankful for what you have and watch your anxiety levels come down. There's a tip. Now, I'm going to start preaching soon. This is just some observations. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How many, does that sound good to you? How many of you does that sound good to you? That you would like to have the peace of God that passes all understanding. That the peace of God acts as something, something that will guard your heart. That, that the peace of God decides what comes in. And what gets out. That's pretty cool, right? Well, here's the thing. One of the most important principles that you and I could ever understand about God's word is that God's word is full of promises. That's cool, isn't it? It's not just a, a book of stories. It's a book of promises. It's stuff that God declares that you and I can access in our life. However, God's promises are almost always conditional. And a lot of people don't get that. Now, listen carefully. God's love is not conditional. All right? 
God's love is unconditional. We cannot earn God's love. God gives his love freely and unconditionally. I'm not talking here in this instance about God's love. I'm talking in this instance about God's promises, right? God's promises are almost always conditional. His love's woven through the whole story, but when it comes to accessing his promises, he almost always says, if you do this, then I promise I will give you this, right? In other words, there's a part that we play. There's an obedience piece that God calls us to do. And actually, it's that act of obedience in whatever it is that initiates the access to the promise. And too many people claiming to be followers of Jesus are sitting around, sitting on their hands, doing nothing and wondering why they're not experiencing the promises of God. But God, didn't you say you love me? Yeah, I love you. So get off your flipping hands and do what I ask you to do. When you do what I ask you to do, you'll experience more of my promises. You won't experience more of my love because I love you unconditionally. But my promises are aren't unconditional. They're almost always conditional. And here, and here we have, these are two verses. They weren't written as verses, but we now slice and dice them as verses, all right? Easier to Google. And uh, the first verse is verse six. It takes us up to that semicolon. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. That's the bit where God says, if you do that, right? That bit there, that's the homework. That's verse six. Verse six is on us right? God says, and if you do that, verse seven's on me. If you do verse six, it's on you. Verse seven is on me. If you do verse six, hey, guess what? Guess what I'll throw in? I'll throw in this. I'll throw in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. And that'll guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's going to be my gift to you if you do verse six. Capiche? Flipping good, man. So there's that word right at the front there, anxious. And uh, whilst this letter was written 2,000 years ago, and I don't, you know, by a guy who's in prison, one thing I know that is true of our Western society today is that anxiety is on the increase. That And I know some of you, and I'm not saying this to you to throw you under the bus, but I know some of you uh, have experienced this and and, and some of you continuing to experience some issues with anxiety. It doesn't really come as a surprise. Let me me read to you some of the the, the causes of anxiety. I'll I'll read you first the list from Beyond Blue, the um, Aussie website, Beyond Blue. They list some of the causes for anxiety to include ongoing stressful events, job stress, some of you are already checking the boxes here. Family and relational problems, check. Uh, physical health problems, uh, heavy or long-term substance abuse, and uh, personality factors, okay? That's Beyond Blue, their list. I decided to add my own list to Beyond Blue's list. Overcommitting, living by the expectations of others, living by unrealistic self-imposed expectations. Getting up in the morning, not expecting to face any battles. Surrender the fantasy. Taking ownership of someone else's dysfunction. Poor nutrition, poor movement patterns, 
unwise choice of friends. Now, I'm going to leave it there because I know that some of you are feeling quite anxious just going through that. Listen, <laughs> stop it. Some anxieties are real and based on real circumstances, and I'm going to talk about that right at the end. But we also have this kind of uh, bizarre collection, some of us, of irrational anxieties. And uh, we observe them in children. Children tend to start to develop, not all children, but many children start to develop irrational anxieties, kind of around the age of two or three, you know, fear of ghosts, uh, fear of the boogeyman, uh, fear of the dark, um, you know, stuff like that. Uh, fear of, of, of people and circumstances, like fear of people that maybe they haven't even met. I was listening to a Stephen Furtick. He, he was our guest video preacher these last two weeks. And uh, listening to him this week telling uh, a story of he, he took his family to the Billy Graham Museum. The Billy Graham Museum is, is in the same hometown as he is from. Billy Graham uh, is, is still alive but was one of the most uh, significant Christian leaders and, and, for, for decades. And there's a museum in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina, uh, dedicated to his life and work. And uh, Stephen Furtick took his family there. They wanted, he wanted to show his kids th- this life and work of Billy Graham and just, you know, the literally hundreds of thousands of lives Billy Graham has been able to influence for Jesus. And um, he, Stephen Furtick's three-year-old daughter was absolutely terrified the entire time they were walking through the Billy Graham Museum. Every room that they went into, his daughter would look at him and go, Daddy? Is Billy Graham going to come out? <laughs> and it's like, no, sweetheart, he's not even here. It's like, it's a museum. It's not his house. Go into the next room. Daddy, is Billy Graham going to come out? Just irrational anxiety that uh, kids can have. Um, but interestingly, adults can have irrational anxieties too. And, and I want this morning, and, and Paul's words to serve as something of a reminder that, that many of us are losing sleep over irrational anxieties. Many of us are being paralyzed by things that, from God's perspective, aren't that big a deal. And I'm not saying that to trivialize any anxieties you may have, but to remind you, if you're struggling with anxieties, that, that, that we serve a God who's bigger than any real challenge we might be facing, let alone any unreal or unexperienced things. In fact, take this instruction from Paul and and let me just insert a little ellipsis in there, a little bit of modern day punctuation and ask you the question. Paul said, be anxious for nothing. So here's my question. Have you ever been anxious but for nothing? Because actually that's the problem some of the time, right? Is Paul says, be anxious for nothing. Well, yeah, great. But, but actually often we're anxious, but for nothing. Something that hasn't happened or something that didn't ultimately happen. We can get into the trap of playing the endless loop of what if scenarios. What if I lose my job next month? I know the company's downsizing. 
what if I go to the doctor and I get a, a bad health report, you know? What if my kids fall in with the wrong crowd? Now, now those things may actually come true, right? But those things may not actually come true. And you are going to lose a lot of time, waste a lot of energy living like they've already come true by simply running the endless loop of what if through your mind. So a little uh, bit of advice that I can throw up if, 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 if you're someone who plays the endless loop of what if is distinguish between things that require genuine concern and divvy them up from things that are needless anxiety. What if I lose my job next month? Well, look, there may be a point where you have no control over that and you may lose your job. But between now and then, instead of having the what if and the anxiety that goes with that, think about working hard, doing what your boss expects and better. If, if the company's going bust and everyone's going to get laid off, uh, get on seek.com.au and stay on there. What if I go and see the doctor and, the, and I get a bad health report? Well, 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 yeah, but genuine concern says, well, what can I do about my health now that will minimize the chances of getting a bad report from the doctor? What if my kids fall in with the wrong crowd? Yeah, but okay, maybe they will. But, but, but what can you do now? That reflects genuine concern. Plugging them in to elevate kids. Plugging them in to elevate youth. Praying for them. Praying with them. Consistently investing in them. Making sure you are modeling what it's like to have great friends around you that are building into your life. Genuine concern, but not needless anxiety. And I'll give you a bit of bonus advice too, just because I love you. Uh, Choose your inner circle wisely. Right? If, if and when you ever enunciate out loud your what if scenarios, and your inner circle says, Oh, I know. Oh, what if I lose my job next month? Oh, I know. Friend of mine, friend of mine, their company. Downsized and they were the third to go. Yep. Oh, what if I go to the doctor and I get a bad report? Oh, yeah, yeah, my neighbor. Yeah, my neighbor. Oh, no. My neighbor. Felt good. Went to the doctor just because she was bored and all of a sudden she's in hospital. What if my kids fall in with the wrong crowd? Oh, yeah. It's so easy to do. Modern life. So many pitfalls out there, you know. If, if that's your inner circle, get a new inner circle, all right? You don't have to pay me for that. That seems so obvious that it's not even worth paying me for. But here's the thing. 
As obvious as it sounds, so many, you know the expression, birds of a feather flock together. You know what it really is? Idiots flock together. All right? That's the idiot club over there. And I recommend you don't join it. Or if you're part of it, hand back your membership. If you're in a circle, just pause petrol on the flames of your anxiety. Get a new inner circle. What you need and what I need is an inner circle that when we start to play the what-if scenarios, they say to you, hey, listen, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, may your requests be known to God. And the, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. By the way, do you notice I just actually recited that without reading it? You know why? Because it's a promise of God and I want to have it locked inside my heart so that when I start to play the what-if scenarios... I can say what God says. When I hear someone else in my world playing the what-if scenarios, I can tell them what God says. We need in a circle people who are going to hold God's word up as the truth, even when the storms of life are coming at us. I'm married to one such person. You know when your spouse like tells you the truth? When, you, when you're immature, that's a problem. You're like, I hate it when you tell me the truth. But when you start to get wiser and more mature, you actually start to crave it. You actually start to further appreciate why God actually put you together with that person so that they can actually, yeah, hold truth up to you, but hold truth up to you in love, not to break your nuts, all right? So for me, often, not always, but I often have a lot going on in my brain, Okay. And one of the downsides to that is I often lie awake at night, you know, trying to go to sleep, but I can't. I've just got, I don't, I don't have the what ifs going. It's not really my thing. Um, I just have, but I have a lot, a list, like just stuff, you know, all the stuff I've got to do and all the things in future and planning and people and, and it's all great, but it's just like a lot. And, and I can't switch off and I can't often get to sleep. And uh, so the next morning, wifey will say to me, you know, how'd you sleep last night, babe? And I say, oh, you know, not very good. Stupid brain. Wouldn't shut up. Shut up, brain. No. And, um, and, and, and I, used to, I used to want her to stroke me. Oh, sweetheart. That's terrible. And she never did. She just looked me in the eye and say, so did you pray? And I go, um, uh, maybe. <laughs> she didn't say, oh, yeah, there's a lot of insomnia going around. No, it's the 21st century. Everyone's got a long list. Of course, you're lying awake at night and, you know, it's affecting your health. And, and oh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's what happens. Well, it's time for a new wife. No, it's not really. No. Okay. All right. Now, don't apply the inner circle trade up to your spouse. So just, um, <laughs> I 
You know one of the greatest things, put that scripture up again, please, Pete. One of the greatest things about God's promise here, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Paul doesn't say that God promises to change the circumstances straight away. That's not the promise here. You get it? If you, if you pray with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, God will change your circumstances. That's not, that's not the promise here. Now, now, that might bother you. Well, I want the circumstances to change. Well, well maybe they will eventually, but, but actually sometimes they won't straight away. But here's the great thing. Even if they don't change straight away, even if they don't change for an extended period of time, God's promise is that you will have a peace that comes from him, which surpasses all understanding. Huh, boy, you know what? It's amazing. My circumstances are exactly the same as they were last week, but I started doing this praying and thanking God bit. And, and even though my circumstances haven't changed, I've got this peace in the midst of these circumstances. I kind of feel bulletproof. You know, one of the greatest things about, about this is, is not just that, that God promises a peace even when your circumstances don't change. That peace can't be taken from you because it doesn't come from your circumstances. It comes from God. And you can carry around that peace wherever you go, whatever our circumstances are. I love that. Let me, let me drill down a little bit further. So Paul's writing this in prison, right? And it's not like a pretty fancy place. It's like underground dungeon kind of chained up kind of deal. And, um, you know, there's no one hour in the weights room and all that sort of stuff. Um, Paul's not jacked. Well, maybe he was. I don't know. Bible doesn't say. Paul held the bench press record in, for the whole Roman legion. Um, I'm sick. More than normal. So, so, so he's got this word guard. And uh, I just wonder if, if, if he wasn't sitting there in his little dark cell and he's like writing to the, I mean, I'll let, it, let it to the Philippians. I'm going to write to them. Yeah, yeah. Peace of God. The peace of God. Hmm, how am I going to explain it to them? Peace of God. It's, it's like it's cool and everything. What's the best? Hmm, I need a word picture. Ah, God. See, Paul understood that as long as he's in prison, the guard that stood at the outside of his cell had the final word on everything that went in and everything that came out, right? Which if you've got a good guard, that's a good problem. He's saying that the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, it's not, it's not tied to your circumstances, will actually guard your hearts. And minds through Christ Jesus. Anxiety affects our hearts and minds. Some of you are losing sleep because of things that you're worried about. Some of you have lost years of sleep. And, 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 and actually, in, in some cases, it's been about stuff that never actually happened. And you've realized, I ain't never going to get that sleep back. It, 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 it's, a, it, it, it's, a, it's a problem. And Paul's saying that, hey, the peace of God will actually guard your hearts and minds. But 
to experience verse 7, we have to practice verse 6. Now, I talked a bit about what I call needless anxiety. Being stressed and strung out and anxious about stuff that, 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 that may not happen and, and didn't happen. But it is also important to recognize there is stuff that some of you are going through and, and, and stuff that from time to time we all go through that actually is real and actually does have the potential to cause anxiety. Not, you know, boogeyman and ghosts, but real situations, job situations, you know, a lousy boss that's riding you all day unfairly, uh, relational issues in marriage, in, in family, in, you know, Uncle Freddie that you have to see at Christmas time, uh, health issues that, that you haven't been able to uh, overcome. The, these things are real. These things are, are, are not ghosts and boogeyman. These things can cause anxiety, and they're, and they're real things. And, and so, so what do we do about that? You know, um, <clears throat> last uh, Sunday, uh, we had Stephen Renati over for Sunday lunch, and, um, and uh, Louis and Renati were, were kind of sharing some of their current life's story. Uh, Louis, Louis, my wife, uh, it's her nephew's first birthday today. God, you're a pretty bloody unsympathetic bunch. She went to go, aww. I'm telling her. They were very unimpressed, Louis, that your nephew turned one. I'm telling him as well. No one at Elevate cares less. It's your birthday day, buddy. Ah, there we go. One person with a heart. Love it. Was that you, Miki? Oh, YJ. Love it. Um, so, so Louie, uh, she's just finished studying for primary teaching degree, primary teaching degree, and she's doing a prac. It's a 10-week prac. It's the final prac before she's uh, qualified to, to become a teacher. And, um, and she, she's, she's doing this prac. And when you do your prac, you have a supervisor in, in the classroom for the whole time. It's a 10-week prac. She's got this supervisor. Now, now it, it, Louis since discovered, Louis about four or five weeks into her prac, she's since discovered that her supervisor actually needs some supervision. Um, her supervisor is a complete nut job. Um, this, the role of the supervisor is to give you more or less real-time feedback. You know, as you're going, just debrief through the day and debrief at the end of the day and, and debrief at the end of the week, which this woman is doing, like, like really well, but all negative. Like, like she'll give Louis 100 pieces of feedback a day and 100 of them are negative. What you didn't do, what you should have done, how you didn't do that, what you didn't do right there, how you should have done this differently, how you should have done that better. And, and Louis coming home of an evening in tears. And it's not because of the kids. If I did that job, I'd come home in tears, but it'd be because of the kids. So it's not how I'm wired. Louis is good with the kids, loves the kids, but her supervisor is jacking her up big time. And, and so she's, Louis is getting, you know, very real anxiety, very real borderline panic attacks based purely on the detrimental effect that this supervisor is having on her emotional and mental well-being, anxiety. 
but she can't get out of the circumstance. You, you, you can't do that. You've got to, or you can just quit, but that's not an option. So she's going to stick it out, but she's got another six weeks with this maniac. She, she, she's got, you know, every day, all day, you don't get to kind of tap out at all. Um, and uh, it was fantastic. Um, uh, Steve and I sat at, at different ends of, of our dining table, uh, not being allowed to speak and, um, at all. And Renati and Louis spoke um, a lot. And, uh, <laughs> and um, <laughs> anyway, it was beautiful. Um, but what, what was, okay, what was beautiful to me is, is I was lit- literally was listening intently in the sense that uh, Renati had just come through herself uh, a pretty intense season in her workplace with, you know, different circumstances, but again, uh, things that were causing her uh, anxiety and, and, uh, and, 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 and Renati just shared with Louis that, that she wasn't actually able to change she said, I, I don't feel the anxiety I, I felt several months ago. And yet I'm in the exact same job with the exact same circumstances. So Louise said, well, what changed? What, 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 what's different? If you're getting the same job, same pressures, same demands, same circumstances, and yet you went from feeling anxious to no longer feeling anxious, what changed? And Renati said, well, I, I prayed. And Louis like, <laughs> it's fascinating to me that the, the same antidote that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi can be applied to unnecessary anxiety as much as it can be applied to real circumstances that cause anxiety because the promise isn't aimed at the circumstances the promise is aimed at our hearts and minds that can experience a peace despite our circumstances final thing I want to say though is oh man everything's snap crackling and popping up here um the uh the final thing I want to say, though, is this. Um, this. This is going to sound weird because I'm like, you know, a Christian leader, right? So what I'm about to say might sound like I don't love Jesus. Don't just, if you're, if you're someone who, who's feeling anxious or, 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 or struggles with, with anxiety, don't, don't just do this. Don't just pray and give thanks and let your requests be made known to God. Those lists I put up earlier, some of you were ticking the boxes as I was reading them off. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. You may be able to control some of them. And if you can control some of them, (laughs) 
you don't need to pray about it. See, you know, overcommitment was one of them, right? And, and you're someone, you're a serial overcommitter. You don't know how to say no. It's just everything's yes, yes, more, more, and you're getting anxious and anxious and anxious. And you're praying, God, God, help me. Give me some peace in the midst of this. Come on, I want you to do something. And God's like, uh-uh. I want you to do something. I want you to start saying no to some things. I want you to start getting a little bit disciplined and prioritizing saying yes to the important things and no to the unimportant things. Just, just by doing that, your anxiety levels will go down. It's, it's not either or, do you understand? But make sure this is central and make sure especially this is the stuff you draw on when it's stuff that you can't control. You know, Louis can't get out of her prac in the next six weeks without failing. You might not be able to get out of your current job circumstance. You might be moving beyond it, but that's your current circumstance. Sure, you might be having some health issues that, that, that you know, you found yourself in a hole that's going to take a while to get back out. Sure. Uh, okay. I'm going to ask one more question, then we're going to finish. Did this seem heavy? Or is this refreshing and, and helpful and light? Yeah, yeah, that's the correct answer. So, uh, good. Well, see, I didn't want you, I didn't want you to preach about this and, and, and you're like, I can't breathe. Like, hmm, not sure that was helpful, Mark. I, I didn't want to over-trivialize the subject. I don't pretend that 30 minutes is going to, you know, necessarily spin you around. It might, by the way. Louis, this week, I didn't finish that story. Louis, this week, having taken Renati's uh, advice from her own experience, had, had a game changer of a week just by making sure every morning she prayed. And Louis says, yeah, I'm walking through that, that, that classroom and, uh, and this witch is still, uh, you know, freestyling all over my, st- all day. And Louis's like, come on. Come on, bring it. Yeah, come on. Boom, 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 boom. Like Iron Man, just deflect. Boom, 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 boom. Um, be here for the next three weeks as we teach how to be brave. One more question, just to finish. It's the most important question we ask. I, I'm not sure we've asked it in the last few weeks. I haven't been here. Um, but uh, I want to ask this morning, for those of you, um, if you've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus, the most important question we ask every week is, 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 is this. Have you said yes to following Jesus? And if you haven't, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And all I want you to do in a moment, for those of you that haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, just slip your hand up and say, yep, I'm going to make that decision today. So we're not going to take too long over this, but it's the most important thing we do. So just quickly, that's my question to you right now. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you to say yes to him today, here and now. All I want you to do in a moment, by saying yes, just put your hand up, like I said, and and, and it's really saying, God, that's me. I want to put my trust in you, follow you today. When I see a hand, you can put it down, and then we just quickly pray. So just looking across our auditorium, as we close here, you need to make that decision to follow Jesus today. Just slip your hand up. And then we'll pray.